guys, Princess here, and welcome to another episode of Buy Pumpkin. This is the sixth time I've done this intro. I have not liked how all the rest of them have come out. Um, and I've decided, I, I, I've decided less is more. So, all I'm going to say is this. I am tired. I know that you are tired. It is a sick, sad world we live in. I don't know anybody not going through it right now. I can't imagine anybody not going through it right now. We are six months into a pandemic. Uh, some of us have lost jobs. Some of us have lost lives. Some of us are uh, trying to navigate this while also uh, trying to mold and shape the lives of young people. It's not easy. We don't know where we don't know where the future is going. We have an election in two months that just who the fuck wants to do that? We have so much going on. And if that's like whether it's macro or micro, we all have a lot of shit going on. So what I like and what I hope I'm doing is providing you guys with an hour or so of time where you don't have to fucking think about it. So that's all I'm going to say. No, no, no. I'm going to say more. I'm going to remind you guys that there is a Patreon for this podcast. It is at patreon.com backslash buy pumpkin. I do bonus episodes there. You can do choose monthly or weekly. They are good. They are good. Um, we just did a Princess Diaries where I talk about a lot of things that are going on with me. And it's a lot. Um, this upcoming week, I'm going to be doing a charm school episode so I can talk about Monique and I can talk about, <laughs> and I can talk about VH1's, uh, reality star, uh, funnel. <laughs> I'm also going to do a princess fix my life episode where I am going to give advice to people who didn't ask for it. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And then either next week or the week after I'm going to be doing, I'm going to start a limited series about Hogan's knows best. We're going to talk about Brooke. We're going to talk about Linda. We're going to talk about Nick and we're going to talk about Hulk and we're going to talk about their hair and where they are getting these baked potato tans from. Yeah. We're going to talk about it all. It's a lot of fun. So if you'd like to join me, let's go to patreon.com backslash buy pumpkin. Hey, if you cannot do that, think about giving me a five-star review. There are a lot of people that listen to this podcast. I see the numbers. I don't believe the numbers, but I fucking see them. And a lot of you need to give me a review. That's all I'm going to say there. Give me a review, a five-star review. Tell them why you keep coming back here every week to listen to this. You keep doing it. Admit it. Admit it to the, to the world. Give me a five-star review and tell people why you listen to this. If you've already given me a review, have you followed me at OK Then Princess on Instagram or Twitter? Have you followed me at Buy Pumpkin Podcast on Instagram? Do you know that the quickest way to talk to me is to tweet me at OK Then Princess or comment at Buy Pumpkin Podcast on Instagram. It is the quickest way. You can also email me at hello at 
buypumpkinpodcast.com. You can also send me a message on Patreon. Those are the ways to get in touch with me. I am not reading DMs right now. My DMs are tragic and I have to kind of like paw through some really wild shit just to get to the ones I want to answer. And I do want to answer you guys. It's just that if you are waiting for me to get through my DMs to get to you, it's going to be very difficult. That's it. Um, anything else? I think that's about it. I am tomorrow. Um, it's Saturday night. I've left this to the last minute. Mm-hmm. And on Sunday, I am recording with Liz ab- about Kel on Earth for her um, for her Patreon, which is Liz explains it all. Explains it all. Excuse me. And I don't know when that's going to be up, but you can look forward to that. I am. I think that's it. I think that's all I'm doing. Yeah, maybe. All right, let's get this show on the road. Um, the we're gonna do two episodes this week, and then next week we'll do two episodes of Girls Next Door, and then we'll do a bonus episode about Kendra on top. And that'll be the end. We'll be done with season. Is this season four? Season three? Girl, I don't. I think it's season four of By Pumpkin. This is my fucking show, and I don't know what season it's on. I got a lot of stuff happening in my head right now. I can't always keep up with numbers, like Kendra. <laughs> so, <laughs> but so we're winding down, and this is always the episodes where it's just a little. It's a little fillery to me. Um, both episodes we're going to talk about. They they visit New York and then they visit Chicago, and. I have never liked travel episodes. It's why I fell off of John and Kate plus eight because I was like, all they're doing is going on trips. And I don't, I don't, I don't watch the travel channel. So why would I be watching this? Um, I never enjoyed, do you guys remember when TGIF would all, they all go to Disney because Disney owns ABC. And so they do like, they'd all go to Disney and shit. I didn't enjoy those. I even as a child, I knew that I was watching a commercial for Disney. And I wasn't going to Disney. I can't even imagine it asking my parents could to go to Disney. I can't even <laughs> When my mother would take us to fast food restaurants, she wouldn't allow us to get cheese on our burgers cuz she said we had cheese at home. So she would buy us a plain burger no cheese. We could get condiments because those were free. No cheese and fries. And she said we had Kool-Aid and cheese at the house. Cheese was, what, 20 cents? That's the type of people I grew up with, okay? So there was no question of me sitting in front of a Family Matters episode or a a, uh, Full House episode. And saying, oh, look, they're going to Disney. I wonder if we can go too. I would never have said anything because I didn't want to hear, do you got some Disney money? I didn't want to hear that. So, So I was never a fan of those. But, I mean, the truth is, like, shows like this we're watching, I want, well, I'm watching them for Slice of Life. I want to know what your life is like. I want to know what things you're doing what your everyday is like. I know I know what it's like to visit Chicago, New York. I've lived in both places. I am uninterested in this. 
is what I'm saying. But I'm here to do a job. I'm here to do a podcast. So here I am. Um, they, so the reason they're on these trips is because of the promotion of the November issue of Playboy. So my understanding is, is it is November because they've got the episodes out. I mean, they've got the magazines out. Um, you know, it's travels always difficult with Hef. He is a thousand years old. Um, he has a lot of requirements for traveling, which I do understand. I've said this before, the older you get, the less like patience you have for being uncomfortable. Um, you, you just don't want to, I am too old to be on the China bus anymore. I'm too old for that shit. I, I have more money than time now, so I will pay to get to where I need to go in style, in style. Jesus. What I'm saying is I'll pay for the mega bus. I'm just, <laughs> no, what I mean here is that like, I used to like cram myself in the spaces or wake up super early to do stuff because I didn't have the money to do otherwise. But now that I can afford a little something and I'm too old to be, to like cram myself into places and be uncomfortable for eight hours, I'm, I'm just not going to. And Hef is twice as old as I am. Guys, I'm an old bitch and Hef is, on this show is too old for me. He, he's old enough to be my father but my father who had children late in life. No, he's old enough to be my grandfather. He is, he is 40 years old. He, in this show, he's about 40 years older than me. He could be my grandfather. Ridiculous. Um, so, and also he's a rich person. One of the, th the awesome things about being rich, not that I would know, is that you can pay not to be annoyed. You can pay not to be inconvenienced. And that's pretty much what he does. They're packing food for him. He takes a jet. He never flies commercial. I mean, I can't even imagine him flying commercial. Um, so he always takes a jet. They, they have some very specific food for him. We're watching the, um, I'm, I'm, I keep calling him like the head butler, but it's, that's not his title. He's something like household manager or something like that. Um, we're watching him like, um, like pack a drink kit for him with instructions to tell you how to make, it was Jack. Like what were they, what drink were they making? It better not have been a Jack and Coke. It better not have been. But instructions on how to make it. it to be this pampered, you know what I mean? Like you're already on a private jet, but like also let's make sure that everyone knows how to make your Jack and Coke and how many cubes of ice you want on it. Uh, someone in guest, guest services, someone, what is, it's not guest services. It's, no, it's guest services. Oh my goodness. Like a hotel. Someone in guest services lays out clothes for, um, have what, when they're packing for clothes, what they do is they just bring him a bunch of clothes and he picks out what he wants to wear. Uh, and then they pack it for him and they have like, a list of things. Um, they just have like kind of a guide, which immediately makes me wonder is, is half reading that guide or does he have an assistant? I know Mary's his personal secretary, but Mary doesn't get him dressed. Who's the person that follows behind him and takes notes and like, 
unpacks his luggage when he gets to hotels. Who's that person? It's not Mary. Is it Mary? I don't think so. Uh, <laughs> but the, the guy from guest services is talking about how he numbers Hef's clothing because he has like five Armani suits. And I, you know, systems like that go into place because like one time Hef said, I want to wear this Armani suit. And then you got him an Armani, an exact Armani suit. It's the same suit, but he was like, he wanted to wear that particular suit. The one with the one strand, with the one thread hanging from the cuff, like something like that. And they present these things to us like, Everyone loves have so much that they just want to make sure he gets exactly what he wants. But anyone has worked in hospitality that has worked in service of some kind, um, customer service or, um, as a domestic knows that if you have a system this tight, that means that the person the system is for wants it that way. That means that there has been an incident where somebody was in trouble because they got the wrong suit. I know it's all like doop 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 music and like a happy go lucky, a happy go lucky um, edit on this, but think of the type of person you have to be that when you're picking out your clothes that you have clothes that are exactly the same, but if you get the wrong, the wrong version of the Armani suit, there's a problem. Now, princess, if you were watching a documentary on Beyonce and someone told you they numbered Beyonce's clothes so that it was easier to figure out which outfit she wanted to wear, would you feel this strongly about it? Maybe it just depends. But also, it just depends. It really depends. I just feel like there would not be an issue where, like, I think people would be very, like, careful about Beyonce and Beyonce's clothes and things like that. But I do not believe Beyonce would have multiple copies of an outfit that had to be numbered because she wanted to wear the one with the worn elbow. I don't believe that. Uh, first of all, Let's talk about Beyonce documentaries. I really like them. I like documentaries. I like anything where someone's like, this is what it's like to be me. And so I always really enjoy when Beyonce puts out something like that because one, she doesn't give us a lot of, um, she doesn't give us a lot of uh, anything, honestly. Beyonce is not here with us. <laughs> she does not talk to us. She doesn't give us, all the tea. Like I, uh, what I always say, I read this somewhere a long time ago and I use it all the time. There are cool people and awesome people. Cool people are mysterious. They show up and you don't know where they came from. They leave. And you don't know what time they left. You, they keep you guessing. They're aspirational. You want to be like them because you don't know what they're like. Awesome people dump their purses on the table and show you everything. And all they do is talk, 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 talk and talk too much. And they give you too much information. And I'm an awesome person. I'm a passionate person. I'm up and I'm down. I, I care about things. 
sometimes I care too fucking much. Beyonce's a cool person. Beyonce's somebody that keeps herself hidden. And I don't, I don't know how to do anything like that. I'm just every, everything. That's the whole reason Princess Diaries exists. That bonus episode I do, it's because I'm just like, here's what the fuck is going on. And I don't know how to be any other way. So I'm off topic. That should be the name of the fucking uh, podcast. It should be called, how did I get here? How, why am I talking about this? <laughs> but I'll, I'll fully admit that there are certain things that I might tolerate in another celebrity, especially a woman, because the way celebrity women are judged by what they look like and like fashion is very different than the way someone like Hef would be. So certain things like, uh, uh, Kim Kardashian, I like, I can understand being very careful about clothes. I don't understand why we, why we have, why we need to be this careful about an 80 year old man's clothes. That's my bias. I'll admit it. (laughs) So everyone else is packing. We see them packing. Um, Holly's just worried about the dogs because she's not going to be there. Again, remember, they didn't really travel that much at this time. And I think they're only gone four days. It's not like they're, they're gone for a month to New York. It's not how Hef likes to do things. Um, Bridget is fighting with Gizmo. I want to know who convinced Bridget to get Gizmo. I want to know if Bridget <laughs> had cats. And I'm not saying all cats are like Gizmo, but I will say this. There are very friendly, physically affectionate cats. As a rule though, I would not run up to a cat and grab its hind legs and try to pull on them so he could be in my arms. I would assume if they were trying to get away from me, first of all, that's a great way to get bitten or scratched is grabbing an animal's legs and pulling on them. Um, It's the same way with like dogs, you don't run up and put your hands and like, gestured like they don't like that because that's not how things work in their world you don't grab tails you don't like I want to know who convinced Bridget to get Gizmo because Gizmo seems like a cat he seems he she seems like a cat she seems like a it seems like Bridget wants to do dog things with her and I think even Bridget even said that like she kept she can't wait for she's been waiting for Gizmo to be a dog, but I want to know who told her to get this cat. I also, I bet Bridget saw the cat, like the breed of cat, because what she a Persian and she's probably been like from a breeder that's been breeding like big fluffy, the biggest fluffiest Persians possible. And Bridget was like that cat, those cats are so cute. I'll get one of those. And she got like, one of the least friendly cats that they had, or maybe she got it for color. I don't fucking know. But the result is that Bridget looks like Elmira from Tiny Toons. She's, <laughs> she looks like she's squeezing it, pulling it, trying to convince it. The, the, the cat is always trying to get away from her. And it's, it's, it's sad to watch, honestly. <laughs> Um, Kim, Kendra's not packed at all. And she, 
someone comes to her door and says that Joe, I'm assuming Joe is in charge of transportation, uh, is ready for her bags. And Kendra's not packed. She's looking for a shoe. She's playing with the dogs with, and the person actually has to say, yeah, that's great, but we do need your bags. This is why, this is where I don't like Kendra. I keep saying Kendra's the most uh, relatable to me. And she is, she is the, I understand her behavior the most. I really understand what she's doing in that mansion. Um, I think she makes it obvious what she's doing there. What I don't like about Kendra or anybody, to be honest, is when they confuse people that are doing their job for their friends. Because if this is just some dude that you hung out with, that's just like, yeah, we need to get in the car. That's one thing. But this person has been sent here because they need to do something. And you're over here dicking around with a hairdryer and the dogs. And you don't have any respect for their time either. You think they're just hanging out. They're not just hanging out. They're at work. I don't, I don't like anybody that's like, so I judge everyone by how they talk to waitresses and customer service people. Um, listen, I can go full Karen if I need to, but I really dislike people who are, who are rude to someone at their job who is there to help you. I cannot like, I cannot take it. And part of what I think is being rude is acting like their time doesn't matter. This, his time matters. He's up here to get these fucking bags and you need to, you need to get your shit together, Kendra. Um, I've talked about this before. Every, no one agrees with me, or at least like maybe one or two people agree with me, but I talked about this before. You know, I love documentaries. I love, I love behind the scenes. I've been watching Taylor Swift's little thing on Netflix for no other reason, just to see what she's been doing. I don't care about Taylor Swift, but definitely I watched it. I, I've just watched this uh, Paris documentary. I had to watch it again because I missed some shit. Uh, by the way, Cara Berry, Everyone's Business But Mine, did a bonus episode about it. Well, she's, it's not a bonus episode, but it's on their main feed about it. And it was really, really fucking good. Um, a lot of people have been talking about it. It's, no, excuse me. Kara's episode's good. The documentary on Paris Hilton is just fine. I, I enjoyed it. it was, I don't I don't keep up with Paris. I don't know what the fuck she was doing. Um, it's pretty shallow though. And the filmmaker is saying things like, well, you know, I had full control over it. Um, uh, Paris never asked me to cut anything. Actually, they did cut something, but I don't know what it was. It was like two minutes because it had something to do with an open like lawsuit. So they, they cut it for legal reasons. But... She said that Paris never asked her to cut anything and that she, I'm assuming it's a she, I don't, I was reading it. Maybe it could have been a he, but I think it's a she had full like editorial control over the whole thing. And knowing that I'm like, then why did you not spend a significant amount of time talking about Paris's racist, homophobic, anti-Semitic, drug fueled, like there's a lot they didn't talk about. And I almost, it's not that I don't, I think that if you watch this documentary, I think they don't say anything that you don't, that you didn't assume happened if you thought about it for a hot second. 
it all makes sense. Like it, she, it wasn't shocking to me that she had been traumatized in one of those, uh, uh, what is it called? What do they call it? Emotional behavior schools or whatever. I, it's not shocking to me at all. That makes sense. I bet you there's a lot more shit she didn't tell us about. I would not be surprised if Paris has sexual assault in her background. I mean, having someone sell a sex tape of you is, is being sexually assaulted in, in a way. Okay. It's a form of it, but I would not be surprised if Paris was not sexually assaulted. Um, they talk about in this documentary, like Paris just turned 14 and got crazy. And a lot of times when people, when, I mean, I don't know how true that is. It sounds like a lie to be honest, but, but a lot of times when you have an adolescent who is fine, 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 out of control, there is a, there's a, an event attached to that. Like maybe you don't know about the event, but there's a thing that happened that led to this. Um, but anyway, it, it was fine. I enjoyed it. I want to know, like, does she get a discount at Apple? Because she has a lot of MacBooks. I mean, she had so many. She had so fucking many. It was a lot. Um, why am I talking about that? Oh, because I like to watch things like that. I love the Demi Lovato one. I just think Demi Lovato's hot. I don't, I don't know what else to say about that. I think she is so fucking hot. I don't, I don't know nothing about no Disney shit with her. I don't, I, all that, when I watched it, or actually Troy's podcast, and Liz has talked about it as well, um, about like stuff with her and Selena Gomez and shit like that. I, don't, I couldn't pick out Selena Gomez in a fucking lineup. I think she has dark, she has dark hair. And that's it. That's all. That's that's what I think she looks like. But Demi Lovato's hot. <laughs> so, um, I, so I like watching those things. And the mm, I'm talking about Gaga because no one agrees with me with this, but I stand by this. Uh, I watched Do Gaga's little documentary, and I thought that was really good, really interesting. Again, I I don't really stand anybody, so uh, a lot of the information I was getting was new to me, and I was like, ooh, this is interesting. But there's a scene in there. I don't know who she's talking to. I think she's talking to a costume, someone that's in charge of her costuming, someone that's in charge of, like, she's talking to two or three people and they're, they're like people in her, um, on her staff that are like, you know, high up on her staff. Like they, they, they are like the directors of things. So she's talking about the Super Bowl and what people are expecting from her and how she wants to shock everyone, do something they don't expect from her, which is, you know, understandable. And she's by a pool, she's in a bathing suit. And she takes off her top while she's talking to them. She's not going in the pool. She's doing it for, I guess, to be funny. And, like, you know, everyone defends it. And they're like, well, she's, those are her people. This is, this person does her, uh, her costumes and stuff. He's seen her naked a million times. These are friends and stuff. And I'm like, okay, but what you guys don't understand is this. There's a power dynamic here. She is their boss. She is a very famous person, a boss. She is someone that like, if she dismisses you from work, it's a big fucking deal. She's a big fucking deal. And she is not their peer. She, and even if she was, we are working. And I know that like, okay, I know that like in entertainment, working and not working and like those lines are really blurred. But if we were sitting here 
And some man was sitting there. And they're talking about what he's going to do to shock the world on his, um, on his Super Bowl uh, show. And he just pulls down his pants and pulls out his balls. We'd all be like, what the fuck is wrong with him? We would be. It doesn't matter he's in a bathing suit. It doesn't matter that these people, these are people he's worked with for years. We would be like, why? And a lot of people were also saying things to me like, well, you know, they laughed about it. Yeah, sometimes you laugh when someone does something uncomfortable in front of you. Sometimes you laugh. I, I'm a pretty direct person. And once I was in HEB and I was trying to get a bottle of something off the thing and a white man grabbed my hand as I reached out and said, I want that one. And then he laughed because he was joking. And I nervously laughed too, even though inside my head, my alarm bells are going off. Like, I'm... People don't touch you. Play. Why would someone grab your hand for this funny joke? Why? Is this funny? But here's the thing. My fight or flight went off on me. And my first thought is, well, not thought because I wasn't thinking anything. It was too fast. I wasn't thinking anything. My body was like, de-escalate this. So like, de-escalate this. Get out of this as quickly as possible. This person could hurt you. And I just nervously laughed and pushed my card away. Whereas like if I had been thinking this out a lot, I would have never done that. I would have like told him to get his fucking hands off of me. I am like not his punchline. This is not fucking funny. This is a good way to get stabbed in a fucking grocery store. But my instinct kicked in. I was like, no, 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 just de-escalate it. Like I've been in situations, um, I've talked about the time I was followed home on the train all the way from fucking Brooklyn. I lived in Queens. I was, and he followed me from train to train to a bus, uh, talking about how he was going to kill me. He had a knife and he wasn't, but he wasn't being overly aggressive with me and everybody, like all kinds of people have weapons on the fucking train. And one instance, and I was alone in certain parts and one part, and one part of me would have been, would have, if you would have told me something like that was going to happen, I'm probably going to be like, well, I would have kicked a knife out of his hand. I would have done this and done that. But that's not what happened. What happened in the situation is that I tried to ignore him. I tried to go to a different train. He followed me. I was afraid that if I ran, he was going to get off the train with me and I was going to be at an unfamiliar stop in Brooklyn in the middle of the fucking night. Like, what you think you're going to do is not always what you're going to do. All that to say, like, when I talk about this moment, people are like, well, they were laughing. I was like, okay, that doesn't mean that it was okay. I just, it's always stuck out to me. Like I said, nobody fucking agrees with me. But it's this thing that these people are at work and they work for you and you have all this power and over them and you are acting as if your jokes are funny. You're acting as if it would be cute. Like you're acting as if no one would be uncomfortable with you just taking off your clothes in front of them while they're trying to have a conversation with you. Um, I know people 
well, internet know people that are nannies. And a lot of them talk about how once they've started working with a family, the family will start treating them like their furniture. Like they'll just get dressed in front of them or have sensitive conversations in front of them. And it is a sign of disrespect. Uh, I'm way off topic now, but I'm going to go, but to get back on topic, this is what I'm talking about. With Kendra. It's something I don't like about Kendra is that she is having a good time because she is on a never ending party. They're at work and she treats them like some, her homeboy she's hanging out with. But the difference is she can get them fired and they have families. Maybe they have, you know, they're trying to pay their fucking bills too. You don't know. And so here she is giggling and playing and they're like, it just means that she's not a, a nice person. That's what it means. Any, if I go, if I go anywhere with someone and they are a bad tipper, I know they're not a nice person. I know they're not empathetic. I know that they're just like this person that brings me food and helps me figure out what to eat and waits on me for 30 minutes to an hour, doesn't deserve to be tipped properly. I know they don't think about other people. I know that someone that shows up that like calls Spectrum and someone gets on the phone, they're like, hey, you guys need to figure out the fuck you're doing. Like that, they are not, they're not an empathetic person. If I'm having a problem with something and I have to call customer service, the first thing I say is, especially if I'm frustrated, the first thing I say is, hey, I'm really upset about what we're going to, about this, but I know it's not your personal fault. And I'm going to ask you to help me. And I'm going to try really hard not to take this out on you. And almost always the answer is, oh, thank God. I'm going to try to help you. I promise. And I usually get helped because I don't talk to people like they're fucking furniture or servants or at my disposal. I don't know. I, it's, I know there's people listening to this going, Princess, you read way into that. Maybe I did, but it's mostly what I see with Kendra. At the, she really doesn't have any kind of understanding of the difference between them and her. And she reminds me of the boss's daughter where she absolutely will get your ass in trouble and get you fired and be like, oops. <laughs> You're like, fuck, how am I gonna pay my mortgage? Mm-hmm. <laughs> Anyway, I'm going to go talk to daddy. Bye. Like, what the fuck? <sighs> okay, let me stop talking about it. They're, they're flying private, which, and Holly says, have price uh, flies private because he can. I agree, He because he can. That's the reason he does it. Um, I bet this is Kendra's first time on the jet, though. I bet you. Um... I mean, she feels, she seems like she's very comfortable at this point. Uh, they, you know, they just, they, uh, you know, they go. They start talking about the Mile High Club. Holly is a member of the Mile High Club. Uh, she doesn't say with half, but I'm assuming. Um, I also feel like Holly, like Hef, if Holly was telling a story about having sex on a plane about an ex, I feel like that's the type of thing that Half would later tell her hurt him and his feelings were hurt and blah, blah, blah. I, I just, so I don't think she would do it. I don't think she'd be like, yeah, my college boyfriend and I, I don't think she would tell that story. I think it's Hef. 
Um, Bridget and Kendra have not. Kendra doesn't even know what it is, and she's, like, talking about it. And, she, and Mary finally says, it's a sexual thing, Kendra. <laughs> Mary is her grandmother. <laughs> um, I also didn't think Mary came on trips like this. For some reason, I thought Mary really did spend a lot of time in the office at the mansion. I didn't remember her coming on this trip. I don't know. It was very odd to see her lying there in her T-shirt talking about the Mile High Club. Um, as soon as they land, the girls go to the Statue of Liberty and uh, Hef goes to the hotel to moisten his skin or something. I don't know. Um Oh, he does Stern. That's why he's going. To, so he's, he's doing Stern. I hate Howard Stern. I'm sorry. I don't think his show is funny. I don't think he's funny. I don't, it's not my fucking cup of tea. I don't get it. You know, I do get it. I get that he was on the radio for a, many, many hours for years. And if you wanted to listen to the radio, you have to listen to him. I don't listen to the radio now. I mean, who listens to the radio now? Sometimes every now and then the radio will be playing in my car when I first get in. And I'm like... Who just gets in the car and listens to this? And they play the same three fucking songs. They're trying to play WAP on the radio. <laughs> Half of it is bleeped out. <laughs> I, I don't understand why I would listen to that on the radio when everyone has all the songs in the world in their, on their phone now. And Apple Music, Google Music, all that shit is Spotify. All that shit is pretty cheap. So I don't get it. But as far as when, so Howard's on Sirius now, but he was on regular radio. What do they call it? Terrestrial radio. Um, he was on regular radio for years and years and years and years and years and years. There's a big deal with his contract and stuff. And, but, and I get that people liked him. One, they, he was very shocking. Uh, I don't, <laughs> and you know what they say, like, his they would they would survey people and his fans would listen to him every day to see what he was gonna say. But most of the people who listened to him, the very most, were the people who hated him, so they could hear what he had to say. And I I just cannot imagine listening to him. I cannot imagine listening to that all fucking day. I just could not. But um, I guess he got good interviews. This is two thousand five, yeah. So is he on serious by this point? Serious, serious. He's not serious, right? I don't know. But Hef is doing an interview with him, and, you know, I'm sure they have lots to talk about, you know, the way people's vaginas smell or how many times they've had sex in a day, you know, shit like that. Um, they do talk about, because there's been some headlines about Holly lately, uh, about Holly wanting to have a baby and whether Hef's going to have a baby with her. Uh, is this... I'm going to preface this to say that I hope I'm not being offensive with this. But my first question about that is 80-year-old sperm, good. You know what I mean? Is 80-year-old sperm the type of sperm you want to have a baby with? Because I know that as I know women and men's anatomies are different. Um, but I know a woman of a certain age with her own eggs uh, opens her up to opens the child up to all kinds of genetic issues. Um, some of which 
make the pregnancy not viable. You know what I mean? So like there are all these like factors in it and I'm just trying to like put myself in Holly's shoes where I'm going to somehow, you know what, you know how in Jurassic Park, (laughs) Jeff Goldblum says nature finds a way. I feel like Holly, you know what? They shouldn't have been fucking with Jurassic Park, Jurassic Park. And Holly should have been fucking with 80 year old sperm. That's what I'm trying to say here. I just don't, I, I think in her book, she says that first of all, he'd had a vasectomy. Had he had a vasectomy and he, he was reversing it or he had frozen sperm. You know what? I think he'd had a vasectomy and she was trying to work with frozen sperm for when he was older, for when he was younger, excuse me. And it just wasn't, it wasn't doable. Um, but anyway, that's the thing going around town is how Holly's going to have a baby with him. Blah, blah, blah. Again, I think that the reason those are stories is because of the show. I think the show had started airing by then. And I think that that's why uh, um, there are articles about Holly wanting to have a baby with F. Because I don't think if this show doesn't exist, I don't think people know who Holly is. Or excuse me. I don't think the general public knows or cares about who Holly is. I don't think People Magazine is doing articles about whether Holly wants a baby with Hef until this show debuts. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if the first, if this show, if when they got the order for a show, it was for like six episodes. And then they saw the first three and were like, no, give us some more. The, like the, or the first two or so aired and they were like, no, 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 no. We want, we want 15. Like, and yeah, so that's why there are articles about it. So anyway, Hef's talking about that. And Holly in her talking head is saying that she wants to have a kid by the time she's 30. She doesn't want to have to wait till she's 40. Um, I can see why. I mean, when you're 40 and you have a child, when that child is 10 years old, you're 50. By the time a kid graduates high school, you're about 60. And um, you don't have to fight the child at their high school graduation But I'm just saying like, um, lots of people don't want to be 60 and dealing with a teenager, to be honest. Uh, so I can understand that. Uh, Holly says she's 25. Again, Holly looks so old in this. I don't, is it next to Kendra? Is it the styling? I don't know, but she is so fucking young. That's another thing. Okay. I raved about this on the fucking internet. Uh, on the This Is Paris documentary, um, Nikki Hilton looks like somebody's the head, the mean head of the HOA. That's what she looks like. And I know she's a Rothschild. And I know that if Paris is almost 40, I think I looked it up and Nikki's like 36. But 36 doesn't look like that. She just, the way she talks, the way, I don't know. She just seemed like, she was going to like write you a fine for keeping up your Christmas decorations for too long. It was so weird, but, uh, I, she did say one good thing I liked in it. She was talking to Paris about having kids and I'm like, why would Paris want to have any children? But she said something that I believe. And that is that it's a lot of fun if you want to do it (laughs) and it can be fun if you want to do it. It is fun. I have fun with my kids all the time. I, I mean, I sometimes don't have fun with them too, but I mean, 
That just depends on the day. It is a lot of fun if you want to do it. If you don't want to do it, it ain't fun. So, and she told Paris that I think that if you wanted to be married and have a kid, you would already have one. I think so too. I, uh, that's, that is exactly what I tell people when they're, when they're like, what should I do? What should I'm like, I don't know. I feel like if you wanted one, you wouldn't be asking me that. You, you, you just be like, I want to do this. If you, if you, if you're on the fence, I think the answer is no. Actually, I want to talk about this right quick. <laughs> Recently, I got into a little something with an, with one of my oldest friends because she is dating, right? She's almost 40 as well. And, she, and she's like 39. And she has decided she's divorced and she's dated many people throughout the years. But for about five years, she hasn't dated anybody. And she's decided she wants to get back out on the apps and date. Okay. And I just was like, you know, it's not that big of a deal though. Like, you know, if you find what you're looking for, great. And if you don't, still great. And she was very upset with me. She essentially called me a hypocrite. She said that I act like being married or being like in a relationship isn't a big deal. And I've been married for 13 years. And also she says that as long as she's known me, that I'm usually in relationships. Well, she's wrong about that. I've been single plenty. But I'm not always in a relationship, but she's, but I will give it to her that I can be a serial monogamous in that I'm sorry. I, I sound like Ramona. I'm sorry, but I do tend to get into relationships, but that's just like my personality. I'm like a very much a settle in type and people tend to want to settle in with me because I make them feel, I have a big mama energy that <laughs> makes you feel taken care of. So people tend to want to be with me. I'm not saying that they, that they actually love me or want to be in a relationship with me. I'm saying that if you feel taken care of in a certain way, it can make it hard to not be in a relationship with me. Cause you, cause you don't want to lose that part. It that's, it's, it's like, I'm not saying I'm that great, but it, that's just how it goes. People, especially at certain, at the age, like I got married when I was like 27 years old. Did I get married when I was 27? Yeah, I got married when I was 27. Sorry. <laughs> and, and the type of guys I was dating and women I was dating before then were very much in a specific part of their lives where they were thinking about like what happens next. So when you're dating somebody who's pretty self-sufficient like I am and who takes care of you, like I tend to take care of people, it makes you think, well, this is where I should be. Even if we're having other problems, it's just how it is. But I've been single plenty too. And I just think that we put too much pressure and I like being single. I liked it a lot. And so I just think we put too much pressure on single people as a rule, not individually, but I just think as a society, we talk too much about, like we say things like getting married is the best day of your life. Well, I don't know if you got married when you're 21, why would that be the best day of your life? You have to live another 60 years. That sucks. That was the best day of your life. Like we talk about, we gear things towards couples. We give couples tax breaks. We, <laughs> you know what I'm saying here? I think we put too much fucking pressure. We talk about finding soulmates. Like you might not have like you, there's just one soulmate. Who's to say you don't have five or six of those motherfuckers? We talk about relationships in terms of, in terms of like length and, and instead of terms of how healthy they are, how happy you are in them. You can be a 30 
30 year relationship and it'd be bullshit. I just, I was tweeting about this. I just found out that DL Hughley. Now you may not know who he is. He is a, a long time comedian, pretty fucking successful. He had a hit sitcom, the Hughleys and, and he, he might be black famous though. He might be somebody that white people don't know who he is, but whatever. D.L. Hughley. I found out that in his relationship, he's been married 30 years at this point. He, now he's been married 30 years. I don't know when this happened, but he had a baby on his wife with another woman. Didn't tell her about it. Said he didn't feel ready to tell her. When the fuck do you feel ready to tell somebody you cheated on them and had a fucking baby? Never, right? But he didn't say anything. Prayed to, the baby was nine months old by the time everything happened, but he prayed to God to get this baby off of him. What are you praying? What do you mean when you pray to God to get an already born baby off of you? Like, are you praying? Like, I can see if she was pregnant, I can see you pray that this baby is not yours and that, or that she gets an abortion. That's what you pray for, right? The baby's already born. What are you praying for? You praying for the baby to emancipate itself and leave town? Well, guess what? He got his fucking prayers answered because when the baby was nine months old, it was like shot by the girl's boyfriend. Tragic. Just motherfucking tragic. He killed, or maybe he shook it. I don't know. He killed that baby though. So DL, his boy calls him. So his friend calls him and says, your son's in the hospital. So the girl didn't even call him. Maybe he had her blocked or something. I don't fucking know. That sounds about right though. So he goes down to the hospital and sees the, sees the child and the child dies. Still doesn't tell his wife. He tells his wife years later, I guess, cause he felt guilty to unburden himself and to add that burden on to her. And that later the girl was asking him for money, but he said he couldn't have those conversations with her. He, she had to talk to his wife and that he gets an allowance from his wife. I guess she handles all the finances and like he gets a certain amount in his account, you know, and that he doesn't know whether she's still giving him money. He just knows he didn't get that money back because she was taken out of his allowance. That whole fucking story is crazy. The whole fucking story, but they've been married 30 years, right? So they're in a successful relationship. Fuck that. Anyway, what I'm saying is I think people are too like pressury on people. Like, I don't know. There's a lot of ways to be fucking happy and you just got to figure out which one you want to be. And so I make it a point to talk about my marriage in like a real way. I, I talk about my marriage and my relationships. Like I don't sugarcoat them. I, maybe I post a sappy thing about my husband once or twice a year, but I also talk about when he's being crazy. My husband walks into bathrooms or the laundry room because it also has a fan in it, flips up both, both, uh, what is that thing called? Thingy flip up. What is it called? It's not an outlet. It's a thing. Switch. Flips up both switches. <laughs> it's late, guys. Flips up both switches to turn the fan and the light on. And then when he leaves, turns off the light and leaves the fan on. So I'm constantly walking past rooms where I hear a fan going and no one's in it. I hate him. (laughs) 
But I like to talk about like the struggles that is to be in a long-term relationship and the changes you go through. I'm not the same fucking person I was when I was 27. I'm not the same person I was 30, 35. I'm not the fucking same person I was yesterday. I keep changing. And what that's like to keep having to keep growing and evolving and changing and being tied to another person financially as well as romantically. Like this, it's a big fucking deal. And so I try to be honest and I try to make sure people know that like, it's not a big deal. Like you are not defined by your relationships. You just aren't. But she, the way she took it was like, I was trying to keep all the marriage for myself. Meanwhile, she's been married before and she knows that it sucks sometimes. She knows it sucks more than I do because she got a divorce. So come on, man. Sometimes divorces are good for you. I also saw another article on, um, I also saw an article on, uh, I forgot what site it was, but the woman was talking about how she always wanted equality in her marriage and she couldn't get it until she got divorced. And now it is equal. He gets 50% of the kids and she gets a very equal relationship with him because it's court ordered. Sometimes divorces work. Sometimes they work out for the best. Maybe I'll get one. I don't know why I'm talking about this. <laughs> oh, yeah. So, um, yeah, everyone was always talking about uh, Holly having a bunch of kids and stuff and with half, and he talks about that in Stern. Um, well, so, you know, they meet up with some playmates because that's the only people they're allowed to talk to. And they see the Statue of Liberty, and they make fun of Kendra for... Because Kendra think it's a real lady or was based on a real lady. I don't fucking know. It, it is based on a real lady. Like when the Statue of Liberty was made, you didn't just like go on Google and look at a bunch of pics and like render from there. Like someone posed for it. Like they also take pictures picture of this dude that's asleep on the ferry. And this is one of my least favorite things people do. I do not like this. First of all, I don't, I don't know how you can sleep on public transportation, but he's a dude. So he, so he probably feels safer in public than I would. But, um, I don't like people sneak taking pictures of people. I just don't. I, I don't like people sneak taking pictures of homeless people or some woman in, in Walmart dressed crazy. I don't like it. I think it's gross. But so they take pictures of him while he's asleep and then he wakes up and he's got his hands up and he's waving his arms around. And the reason he's doing that and they say they don't say this is because there's a camera filming him. And but later he's a little chill about it because the girl is um, one of the playmates is asking to take a picture with him. And he keeps saying, what is this for? What is this for? And they're like, our computer. <laughs> like, no, he's pointing to the camera to the camera crew. He wants to know what this is for. But they must have got on the sign of release because his face is on. Um, after they do, after they leave uh, the Statue of Liberty, they come back and they do a, a signing with the issue. You know, uh, half and all three girls are signing um, the November issue, and then they do a press junket where they lie a lot. To be honest, um, you know, a press junket is where basically for PR, someone who's getting a movie out or who's you know, got a book going or something like that. Um, they sit somewhere and then members of press come to them over and they ask them essentially the exact same questions over and over and over again, because this magazine is going to ask, like some of these questions are super obvious, you know? So 
they, and they lie to all the questions. They ask about jealousy where we should normalize jealousy guys. People get jealous that cause we're humans. It's what you do with the jealousy. Um, that is the, is the thing that's wrong. All, all our feelings are, are right. It's just what we do about them. That's that could be wrong. Um, they asked them about the babies. They asked them, you know, whether they're going to have kids and, and they asked them, are they having sex? <laughs> um, and Kendra, and you know, they've gotten to the point where they're, they're like, do you have sex with your wife? And I'm like, do you want to talk about it? And I'm like, guys, I don't really have a lot of sympathy here. The whole brand is sex. The whole thing is we're in a, we're in an unusual sexual relationship. That's why they're asking you about sex. That's why. Cause you're being associated with playboy. You didn't come on here as three nuns and a priest. All right. That's not what the thing is. So they're going to ask you about it. Is it embarrassing? Yes. Do I support you saying I, if something is too personal and that you like to keep a few things to yourself? Yeah. If you don't want to answer a question, you should say you don't want to answer the question, but the irritation they have at people asking them these questions is ridiculous. And, and it turns out that your sex life is unusual and is weird and is creepy. It turns out there is jealousy. It turns out that some of you do want to have babies with this crazy man. Like these are, and this is one of the reasons why I don't have a lot of uh, sympathy for Holly. Um, when she did her big book tour, like, and, and was doing all the press for it and stuff. I just don't have a lot of sympathy for her. Um, because she spent a lot of years doing press where she's like, this is what I want. This is amazing. This man is amazing. And then she, when that book comes out, it's like, can't believe you guys didn't notice that I was in an abusive relationship. And I'm like, well, we didn't notice because she just kept telling us it wasn't true. And every time we'll get to the view, but every time someone will question you about it, you'd be like, why are you asking me about this? I'm in a relationship just like yours. No, you aren't. No, you aren't. But you keep saying that. And so some of us believed you. I mean, I didn't believe her, but, but it's one of those things where, okay, if that's what you say, what, what else can I do here? If that's what you said happened, if that's what you say you feel about the stuff, what else can I do about it? Just reminds me of Mackenzie Phillips, which this is when I first knew Liz. Okay. And it was through the Facebook group. Again, I still probably can't pick Liz out in the lineup. I mean, I think she, she's got dark hair, but <laughs> I, I, this is when I first knew her, but uh, we were in a Facebook group and people were talking about Mackenzie Phillips. Now I remember Mackenzie Phillips and the whole thing that came out. Okay. So in case you don't know, Mackenzie Phillips was the daughter of John Phillips, um, who was famous for being in the mamas and the papas, which was a really big group, I guess in the sixties and seventies, a long time ago. And John Phillips was, a was a crazed drug addict attic growing up and her and McKenzie and her brother live with him. And I mean, he shot up with heroin. He would give them quaaludes when they were like 12. McKenzie Phillips is famous because for being his daughter and also because she was on a show called one day at a time, not the new version, which is really cute. I'm talking about the original version with Valerie Bertinelli. Um, the names I'm saying right now. <laughs> so, so, um, she was very famous in her day but she was also a very famous drug addict and she's been through all this shit throughout the years. I mean, 
reading Mackenzie Phillips book is a good read. It's going to be really sad because what comes out in her book is that her and her father had a sexual relationship for many years. Um, she, when she got pregnant with her son, she thought it was her father's. They would get super high. All they were, I mean, and think, I know, I don't want to, the type of high they used to be was one, the seventies was good shit. Okay. Not as cut, not as cut with all kinds of shit like it is now, but like they, and they were very famous. So it's the type of drugs I think. I'm trying to think of like a famous drug addict. I can't, I'm, I can't think right now, but it's a type like that fame gets you access to. Like they just, it, you know, a Bobby and Whitney, you know, they, when they were at their height of drug abuse, they just got really good drugs. And that's the type of shit that was going on with John Phillips and Mackenzie Phillips. Now here's the thing. Here's why I come in. I caught him. No, I'm joking. <laughs> so when this book comes out, I read the book. I saw the interviews and I remember watching it and being like, oh, she, she was an adult when this sexual relationship started. Okay. But I remember thinking she's been violated. Like I, I was like, she's been raped. <laughs> like that's what, that was, that was my thought is that like she was, I know you both were on drugs and stuff, but this is your father. This is like, you are a victim and maybe the word isn't rape. Maybe the word is abuse. Maybe the word is, um, I mean, as a child, she was a victim of abuse, him shooting up fucking heroin, the way they would just leave her. And she tells these stories like, ha ha ha, my dad would go out of town and we bought an elephant and a bunch of quaaludes. So we did the quaaludes, we got on the elephant, we went to school. I fell off and busted my face. Like that's the way she would tell the fucking stories. And I just remember listening to her and being like, oh my God, so much has happened to you. Like, this is not funny. <laughs> like you are a victim, but here's the deal at the time. That's not the way she would talk about it. At the time she was telling the stories, they were funny stories and she was selling us like this was a consensual relationship between two adults. Even though I, even though technically, like if we're if we're in a court of law, yes, it was a legal consensual relationship between two adults, even though that was your father. Could he be prosecuted for having sex with you when you were like 22 years old? I guess not. I guess not. But just because something is technically legal doesn't make it right. And the fact is your father, the power dynamics in that group, and the fact that he had started you on drugs, you guys were like, she was a victim. and. And she was telling us all that, no, no, no. It was just a really sad thing that happened. But yeah, I used to have sex with my dad and it was fine. And that's the last I heard of Mackenzie Phillips. Not heard of, but that's the last time I checked in because I was like, okay, well, I don't need to do any more of this. And early when I first met Liz, we were talking, they were talking about in the thing. And I was like, well, I don't know necessarily know. Like, I don't want to call it a rape if she doesn't want to call it a rape. Like, it's not up for me to say that. And Liz, and I think one other person was like, no, no, no. She has since come out and realized that how fucked this situation was and that she was 
raped or whatever word they were using, either abused or raped or whatever. And I had to get off the internet that day. The reason I had to get off the internet is because, yes, I knew all this stuff had happened, but I was like, well, Mackenzie is saying this. And when I realized that she had realized, I was just thinking about it all day. Like the moment. I'm sure it was it was with some mental health professional or somebody that like was able to walk her through and explain to her why, even though she was trying to take like, it was half my responsibility that like, regardless of how old you are, if you, if your father who has like done all this, like neglect and abuse of you all these years, and they have a funny dynamic where she's trying to get his attention all the time, because remember he's doing all these drugs and sleeping with all these women and marrying a different woman and moving to Bali, Bali for a month and that, and just doesn't show back up. Like her acting was a way to get, was a way to get his attention. Her, her like, Getting famous was a way for her to be like, look at me, look at me. So your relationship is fucked up already, okay? It's got all this shit in it. And then as an adult, he begins a sexual relationship with you while also contributing to your drug abuse. Like I was just thinking of like the moment she realized that because she's been telling this story about how everything's great, everything's great, everything's fine. You know what? It was a little, it was, you know, obviously it was the wrong thing to do, but you know what? That was my drug addiction and blah, 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 blah. She's been telling the story, you know, it was cute when I was taking Quaaludes at 11. Ha, ha, ha. One time I ate a whole, I ate ball of Coke. Like she's been telling these stories like, this is my quirky childhood. And she finally got to the point where she realized, actually, that's not a funny story. That's a, that's a story of a, that's actually, you're telling us about an abusive event in your life. You're telling me about a time where you were taken advantage of, where you were hurt. You're telling me about a time where you were sexually assaulted. You're telling me like, and I just could not stop thinking of her sitting in a room on a therapist's couch or even at her kitchen table or someplace on her couch or even waking up in the middle of the night and being like, I was raped. Like, I couldn't, I couldn't deal with it. I could not fucking deal with it. And, and I guess why I feel about Holly's a little different because I should have that empathy for Holly. I should be able to say, well, you know what? I do. Cause I've talked about on here about how a lot of things that happened to her were really fucked up and I can't, and when someone says they can't imagine, I mean, it's, it's, it's a clunky way to say that like. I don't want to imagine. I, I don't want to go to a place where I'm pretending like I'm in this situation. But I've had that empathy for her. But it's very hard for me to think because I was the audience she was talking to, even though I didn't quite believe her, where she's like, everything's fine. This relationship is valid. You are judging me. You're like, you know, she didn't use these words because we didn't use those words in 2005. You're sex shaming me by keep because you keep telling me that my relationship isn't valid because there are other women people can live different lives I know he's 80 years old but we're in love we're on the same level we're best friends um and then later to be like well actually none of that was actually true I was just lying it's very hard for me to go like with Mackenzie Phillips I can say to myself 
this is a realization she had and it must have rocked her fucking world when she had that realization. But with Holly, it always felt like she always knew that she just was lying the whole time. You know what? Maybe I'm biased. I've, this is the second time I've, I've been unbiased on this fucking show. It, it is what it is. I will say the grossest thing he said during that, during that press junket is when he said, the show was shot through the eyes of the girls. I'm the wizard behind the curtain. This way, daddy doesn't have to do as much work. Gross. I don't, I don't like it when he calls himself daddy. I just don't. Um, but you know what? I've never gotten into that daddy shit. I don't, I don't do that. <laughs> I just, it's not cute to me. It's not cute. And I, and I just don't understand <laughs> because there's no reverse of it. Like if my husband came in and was like, Come on, mommy, give it to me. I would be like, who the fuck are you even talking to? Also, he calls his mom mommy, and I will not. I, mm-mm, mm-mm, we're not going to be doing nothing cute. We're not doing nothing like that. It's not cute. I'm, I'm sorry. Okay, so after they do the press junket, they go to Jekyll and Hyde Club, and it's Bridget's favorite place because it's always Halloween there. Um, as we know, um, Bridget is a Halloween stan. Uh, and then they go to Spam a lot, okay? And... I can't believe they did all this in one day. <laughs> it seems like the longest fucking day. It's two days, right? No, no, no. It's one day because the next day they go to the view. Mm. And that's why they went to the Statue of Liberty as soon as they touched down because they didn't have time to do it any other time. So next day they go to the view and Kendra says she's never seen it and doesn't even know what it is. And here I am agreeing with Kendra again. I never watched the view. I mean, I'm not stupid, so I know what it is, but I never watched it. I never watched daytime TV, or if I did watch daytime TV, it was Judge Mathis. That's what I'd be watching. I would not be watching The Fucking View. Um, I don't find people arguing on TV fun. (laughs) I don't find people arguing on the internet fun. Um, It might be time for me to take a break from the internet. Uh, I don't know. I'll figure it. I'll see, but arguing... Watching people argue is not fun to me. Um, the only reason I can watch like court shows like uh, Law and Order and The Good Wife is because I don't know. I the arguing is really fake. I don't know. Did you guys? So I finished my Good Wife journey. By the way, I'm on to the Good Fight, which had a shaky start. But okay, I'm, I'm into it now. It's got a lot of black people on it. I'm excited about that. But you guys ever noticed how, or maybe it was just me, when I started watching The Good Wife, I thought I was watching a a lawyer show, like a, a legal procedure rule. But somehow they conned me into watching a political show because it's political. It, it was all about the behind the scenes of the politics. And I did not even realize that until I was maybe two thirds through the fucking series the first time. I was like, what? I'm watching a politics show. Same thing with The Good Fight. I don't... Obviously, I love Diane. I love her. she's got a great laugh, dude. She's got the best laugh in the world. I think it's funny. I think it's an I think it's an interesting concept. I mean, Jesus Christ, she was gonna buy that fucking house in France and she was gonna retire. Ugh. 
I think Luca is so fucking cute. I die. I think I love that it's centered on a black law firm. I'm sure they're going to leave because on the good wife, they, the law firms would change, would reorganize every six months. So I'm sure at some point they're going to leave this law firm firm, but I thought it was, I, I like those parts of it. What I don't like is that it talks too much about real life. Like, I don't want to talk about Trump. I really don't fucking want to. I don't want to like, I can't imagine any kind of conversation I could have about Trump that would lead to someone being enlightened. This just, I just don't believe that. And I also don't watch TV to mirror the hellscape I'm in right now. Like married at first sight. I'm limping along with it. Uh, ben and Amelia remind me of why I don't do office potlucks. They don't know how to wash glasses. They got two pairs of socks between them that they just keep passing back and forth. And anything they, they make probably has hair in it. I, I don't want to watch this. I don't want to watch all these nose rings. I don't, I don't want to, I don't want to do this. Um, but I, you know why I really don't want to do this because I know they're going to get to the point where COVID happens and they're going to be talking about COVID and I don't want to talk about COVID. I'm living in the pandemic. I don't want to watch the pandemic on TV. I don't want to. And so like, I can't imagine what I'm going to be watching next year. If all the reality TV shows are going to be like, and then COVID hit, I don't want to do that. Um, maybe I'll finally watch lost. I don't know. You guys liked it too much. I couldn't watch it at the time. Um, maybe I'll rewatch the surprise. I'm probably gonna be doing rewatches. That's what I'm gonna do because I don't want to watch shows about how terrible I feel. These are an escape. I don't want to do it. I... Anyway, I'm on my good fight journey now. I'll probably be tweeting about it if I don't delete Twitter. <laughs> I don't want to be on there during the fucking election. I don't want... I always like around this year, this time of year, I always like I'm done with social media. So I don't, Maybe I'll still be on Twitter next week. Maybe I won't be. <laughs> I just don't want to. I don't want to. I don't want to talk about RBG. I don't want to. I don't want to talk about TikTok. Whether TikTok is going to be here on Sunday or not. By the time you get this. I don't want to talk. Like. It just feels like. I want to run away from the real world. And when what I'm watching on TV mirrors the real world too much, I'm like, what the fuck? Didn't I should just watch the news? I just watch the fucking news. I have like, I don't watch the news. I don't see images of Trump anywhere, but I'm watching the good fight. And Diane is constantly, I just like Diane, I don't know, Diane, get a puppy. Like, don't make me watch this. But she did say one good thing. She did say like, she, I don't know. She decided not, it wasn't a good thing, but it was something that I empathize with. I used the word empathize too much. Um, it was something that I identified with. Uh, she said that she'd walk past 
a homeless man um, digging in trash and uh, screaming about how the president's insane, the country's insane, we're all going insane. And she said that's something that was going on that is her inner dialogue. And she just decided to fuck it and she's not, and to do something else. And that's how I feel too. Like I cannot stay in this spot too fucking long. I just can't, I can't marinate in this shit because I'll never get out of it. I'll get in my bed and never get out of it. So I have to do something else. Maybe I'll watch how to get away with murder and like keep up with the details because too many details were going through last time. I don't fucking know. Why am I talking about this? Oh, they're going to The View. Kendra's never seen The View. She don't know what it is. She says they're haters. And the reason she says they're haters is because they do a pre-interview. <sighs> Guys, anytime you go on a talk show, a late night talk show, a morning talk show, whatever, Ellen, who cares? You're going to get a pre-interview. And that's where a producer or maybe an assistant producer, somebody calls you and interviews you so that later when the host of the show interviews you, they know what to talk about. It's why when uh, Jimmy Fallon asks questions, he's like, and you like to skateboard too. Don't you have a skate? Didn't something happen to you when you were skateboarding? It's because he already knows the fucking story. He was told what the story was and asked that. So during the pre-interview, um, Kendra and Bridget get upset because there was a lot of talk about sex and they don't want to talk about sex on TV. The view, okay. I agree with Bridget and Kendra and I also don't. The reason I think Bridget and Kendra don't want to talk about sex on the view is because it's viewed by a mil like a million. It's viewed by a ton of fucking people every day, okay? Their moms watch the view. And it's not like the mansion is a is its own little bubble, okay? The shit you do at the mansion is at the mansion. And when you leave the mansion, you're in the real world where people are actually looking at you and they're thinking, are you riding this old man's dick every day? It's gross. How much does he pay you? Like, it's different. It's like, it's like leaving a nightclub at seven o'clock in the morning and it's bright outside and shit. And inside was magical. And now you're out on the fucking street and you're like, ugh, that's what it's like. They're in the bright light of day. And so nobody wants to be specific. First of all, they're a little embarrassed, right? Because people are coming at them. No one wants to be specific. Also, this is their first press. Because remember, they didn't, this, this is this press. They're not saying it, but it's for that, it's for that um, November issue. And it's for the fucking show. Okay. Cause think about it. You know what? I might've been wrong that the show has been airing for a bit. Maybe. Hold on one second. Let me jump up. Okay. I'm back. So this cover did was November, 2005. The show premiered in fucking August. By the time we're getting to where this, this cover is being released, it's probably what they're, they're probably doing all this fucking, um, PR for it in October. Yeah, it's probably late October or so for it. And so the, when they're doing the PR for this, this is for the show and the fucking, the, the, the magazine cover. So like, they're gonna ask these questions. They're gonna wanna know this shit. 
But I also get that, like, it's hard to talk about. Like, they, this is their first, like, at this point, this is their first big, big push about the show. It's, you know, they don't, they're not as practiced in the interviews and stuff. And it's probably jarring to them that, like, oh, wait, I'm going to go on daytime TV and my mom and grandma and everyone's going to watch it. And they're going to be, like, asking me, do I put a thumb up Hef's ass? Like, it, I get that part. I'm going to say this, though. Bridget says that it's one thing to be on Stern and they're all talking about sex, but it's another thing to be on the view and know that when Katie Holmes comes out, they're not going to ask her, um, which way Tom Cruise's dick leans. Okay. But Bridget, you're not Katie Holmes. You're not billed like Katie Holmes. You are not the only reason you are on this show is because you have a reality show about the fact that you have sex with Hugh Hefner with two other girls. That is the only reason you're on this show. Do I think that's fair? No. Do I think that as we get older, as we get older, as we get further along in the show, that people realize that actually you guys make this, like if the three of you were roommates somewhere and for some reason we cared enough to watch a few episodes, you probably have a good show, whether Hef was there or not. Yeah, yeah. I Do I believe you should have been paid fairly? Sure. Absolutely. You're doing the work. And I think it becomes obvious later that other girls in your place do not do do not bring the same shit that you guys bring. Like people didn't want. I think the girl's name was Crystal. I don't even know her fucking name. Crystal and the twins. They don't want those bitches. They want it, y'all. So yeah, I like I agree with that. But I'm just saying you're on this show because you have sex with him. So people are gonna ask you about sex, and it's a it's a pornography brand, Bridget. It is. Your pussy lips are in the are in the fucking magazine. They're gonna ask you about sex. I just don't answer what you don't want to answer. Just giggle and say, "Wow, I can't believe you asked me that." Bridget's just like, you know, she's a little uncomfortable. Uh, I don't know what was in Kendra's Wheaties because she. <laughs> She's like, they're haters. If I see him in a green room, I'm like, yo, what's up? Come on over here. She says she's going to tell it like Kanye. She's going to tell the damn truth. I'm assuming this is around the time old Kanye told us that George Bush doesn't care about black people, which is my favorite Kanye. And mostly because Mike Myers is standing next to him. They're doing a telethon or live TV of some sort for Hurricane Katrina. And uh, is it Katrina? Yeah, I think it's Katrina. And Mike Myers is reading off the teleprompter and is like, da, 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 we could use this money. Da, da, people are going through this, whatever. And then Kanye, it's his turn to talk and he don't read off the teleprompter. He says, George Bush doesn't care about black people. And Mike Myers' face is like, <gasps> like why the fuck did you do this with me on the, <laughs> the camera? <laughs> it's my favorite fucking part of it. Also, we don't ever see Mike Myers anymore. <laughs> Uh, okay <laughs> guys do you know that in, our, in, our, in an alternate universe that if um that if obama had embraced kanye as much as he did jay-z and beyonce if obama had not called 
Kanye, whatever he called him, like a jerk or an asshole or whatever he called him, when Kanye got on stage and embarrassed the fuck out of Taylor Swift for no fucking reason, if that had not happened, Obama had not been on a hot mic talking badly about Kanye, there is a world in which Kanye would not be talking about how much he's in love with Donald Trump and how black people need to get away from Repu like Democrats or whatever, whatever the fuck he's saying these days. I think he's pissing on Grammy these days. But, I mean, I'm not saying that wouldn't happen. I'm saying that if Kanye had not been publicly, and also this is around the time that Obama was not as friendly as Kanye. I don't, I don't think he, I think he snubbed Kanye. He snubbed Kanye is when Kanye was, was like getting with Kim and marrying Kim and stuff and making love to her on a bike. <laughs> the video, this is around this time period. Okay. Like when everyone's like, what the fuck is going on? <laughs> Kim and Kanye. And they just, she'd just be naked on the internet and be like, I'm coming home. Like, and for better or for worse, Obama was not, a, Obama was a lot of things, okay? We can sit here and talk, criticize Obama all day, but he was not a president that was going to be meet, meeting with Kim Kardashian in the Oval Office. <laughs> so, because all that was happening over there and then, well, it wasn't his first term. It, when, when, uh, Kanye did that to Taylor. It wasn't, he wasn't with Kim, but you understand this is the direction he was going in. And as he got more and more snubbed by America's first black family from Chicago, it did something to him. I, I believe it's a factor. I believe it is. I think that if Obama had invited Kanye to the web, to the white house and the two of them had hung out in the Oval Office, talking about music and Chicago and shit, and they did that all the time. I believe, I don't, I think we still get the same Kanye we have now. I just don't know how political he'd be. I, it's just a theory. I know you guys are gonna like tweet me a picture of Obama and um, Kanye jet skiing together. I mean like, Princess, he did embrace him. And I'll be like, okay, fuck it, my theory's gone. Okay, so one thing I want to point out is that Hef says, oh, was the pre-interview mean to her? She was perfectly nice to me. Yeah, Hef, everyone's nice to you because you're the money in the room. You're the guy. Everyone's deferential to you. People don't even know their names sometimes. They don't even speak to them. They come to the table, speak to you, and give the like a dismissive wave to them. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's so interesting that the pre-interview chick was super nice to the dude, to the famous man that they're gonna be interviewing and wasn't deferential to the uh, the three sex slaves that he's got with him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Stupid. <laughs> she's like a pretty woman that thinks that everyone, she's like, everyone's always been so helpful to me. Every time... I've needed a ride someone, someone's giving me a ride. Yeah, you're pretty, okay? Try being ugly. Um, what else? 
Kendra doesn't know who Barbara Walters is. <laughs> Kendra really, but Bridget knows who she is. And Bridget is a broadcast journalist, a major, and she really looks up to Barbara Walters, but she's upset because Barbara, listen, Barbara's a bitch. Okay. <laughs> I know you guys don't know that. I know a lot of people don't know that you should read women who punch. And I definitely read it and I loved it. And I was not a view person and I didn't know all this juice was going on on the view. It's so I would have been watching if I had known all this shit was going on, but Barbara is not. Listen, she's probably a bitch. So anyway, she was rude to her. The interview was 10 minutes long. They felt like everyone was rude to them. They were happy to get through it, but like people were starting to email and like, and call and text and stuff about how rude everyone was to them. They had them all sitting on one chair and then, Joy Behar was like, y'all sit like that all the time. I was like, Joy, you know, the, they sit where you fucking tell them to sit. Like, come on. Um, Bridget doesn't like that. They didn't know she had natural boobs. She said there was a lot of silicone. Bridget, Bridget's feelings have been hurt and her feelings want to be hurt because the fact is who fucking knew you had natural boobs? I didn't. I mean, the boobs look nice. I can believe they're natural, but like, are you supposed to know that? She says they could have done the, the interview with them with or without them there. And I believe that too. I'm Bridget is upset. She didn't get a chance to talk. I'm like, there are four fucking people on the stage. Normally when Katie Holmes comes out, she's just with herself, but you have, there are four people on the stage and only one of you is famous right now. Like you, you're getting some juice cause you're on the show and everything, but only one of you is famous. And so I bet you they, I haven't seen the interview, but I bet you they directed all their questions to Hef. I bet you, I did call him a dirty old man and he is one. So whatever. I don't know. They're upset. But they go from that to a launch party or maybe it's a, it's not a launch party. Maybe it's a release party for the, this magazine cover. They definitely don't do this every time they release a cover, right? So this has, it's, it's gotta be a special party. Anyway, we see Christy um, Hefner, who is the CEO of Playboy, and she is also Hef's daughter. And she says a lot of nice things, and the girl's starting to feel warm again, and Hef's got tears in his eyes. Listen. sure Hef didn't raise Christina <laughs> and she's she's compartmentalized him in a lot of ways I can understand um, my biological father is in prison hasn't been in prison what I'm 40 so that means he's been in prison like 39 ish years I compartmentalize him he's not my father you know what I mean he's not like a father figure to me and I bet you Hef isn't one of Christy but she's a part of this business and she's she's got to be savvy she's got to be smart if she's the ceo um keep in mind that there's a board and all that other shit now there's not like uh, i guess playboy is public so it's not like i mean hef has some power there but she couldn't be ceo just because she's his daughter if she wasn't also someone popular with the board and that was someone that they felt could keep shares up and everything um and yeah she's gonna say a lot of nice things that's her father What's she gonna do? 
She's the CEO of the company. What's she going to do? Come in there and call you guys a bunch of sluts? No. Regardless of what she thinks of you privately or if she thinks of you privately at all, maybe she doesn't give a fuck and doesn't think about you at all, man. But she's going to say nice things. I'm glad that I'm glad she said nice things and you guys liked it. Have crying is a lot, but <laughs> okay. All right. So, um, they get in the jet and they go to the next episode, which is when they visit Chicago. I love Chicago. It is my favorite city I've ever lived in. Um, the only reason we did not move back to Chicago because my husband hates Chicago. He had a major depressive episode in Chicago. It was really hard for him there. So when we were leaving New York and he said we could choose someplace together, one of his caveats was not Chicago. I love Chicago. I can go there right fucking now. Um, I am fully admit that the reason that I love Chicago is I love the place I was in my life and that I have fond memories because of that. I'm sure if I move back to Chicago now, it would not be exactly the same. It would probably be very different. And to a certain extent, Austin has become my favorite city because my life has gotten so good here. I am very grateful that I am somebody who will leave if I need to. I'm very grateful for that because my life has gotten extremely good here in Texas. And my husband did spring on me that, cause we were talking about whether we we're gonna keep our house. Cause you know, I always say I'm gonna die here cause this is where my money went. But we we're talking about what happens in the next five years once we have a certain amount of equity in it and could we sell it? And I was like, yeah, I guess we could sell it and uh, get a bigger place for our family or something, you know, using the experience we know from buying a house, like, get something. I mean, we were just happy to buy a house. Like I never thought I was going to buy a house. I got this house, but I mean, I didn't believe I was buying the house. Like people would be like, princess, what are you doing? I was like, Oh, I'm gathering documents for my mortgage. And they'd be like, well, Oh, you're buying a house. I was like, Oh no, no, I don't think this is going to go through. <laughs> no. Even when I left for the fucking closing, I left. So I had some colleagues I was working with. I was like, oh, I got to go. I have to go to my closing. They're like, Oh, you're buying a house. No, <laughs> this isn't real. <laughs> I was in mad denial about it, but we're, me and my husband have been talking about like what we would do once we got equity in here and what, and what would happen next. And we we're talking about if we bought a bigger house and my husband goes, Oh, um, but you remember we said when we bought a new house, we would go, like we would sell this house and we move back to the East coast. And I was like, I don't even remember that conversation. Um, I can't even imagine it, but you know, you never know what the future brings. Um, I would love it if he would let us move to Chicago. But we couldn't afford Chicago. We have to live in the fucking suburbs. Um, <laughs> the big, we probably have to live in Joliet. <laughs> we couldn't fucking afford it. And uh, um, so Hef grew up in Chicago. He started Playboy there. His first Playboy Club was there, and so he doesn't get back very often. On this trip, Keith is there. Keith is Hef's brother. Now, Keith is just as slimy as Hef is, and Kendra tells a story about how Keith would always have, like, the wildest women with him, and once they were, I think they were coming back from Europe, and I don't know, the girl that he was with was either high or something, but she starts to, like, get really crazy on the plane and she, on the jet and just 
saying crazy stuff to the girls and Kendra tried to fight her. <laughs> yeah, gross. Um, um, Kendra is impressed that Hef knows streets in Chicago. Hef lived in Chicago the first half of his life. Um, so they go to a bunch of places. They go to his old school. He's yelling, hi, kids. It's walking down the street. <laughs> like a fucking cartoon. There's a sign that says, welcome back. And they are so excited. They're like, they're welcoming you back. And I'm like, as guys, as someone who frequents schools, <laughs> I'm going to tell you, they say welcome back all the time on the little sign because kids get out for school breaks. My kids get out for fall break. Uh, in just a few weeks, they'll be off for a week of school. And if they were in person in school, it would say, welcome back. <laughs> I just, if it was, you know, maybe I'm wrong, but if it was said, welcome back, if it was for half, it would say, welcome back, Hugh Hefner. <laughs> also, I don't think they were cleared to visit the school. You know Why? Because they have cameras and schools usually don't let you film in them because there's liability concerns. Parents get mad when you let <laughs> the e-show about the pornographer <laughs> come to the school. <laughs> I'm sure Hef can speak in colleges, but I just do not see him going to elementary schools. I just don't. I just don't. And in fact, he doesn't even go into school. They get some teacher, some way, I call him a wayward teacher because there's no way anybody approved for him to be on this fucking show. He knows, he knows better than this. <laughs> anyway, uh, they go to this childhood home. It's super small. Childhood homes are always smaller than you remember because you were smaller. Um, they show childhood pictures of, of Hef and Keith. And listen, Hef was a cute child. That is the first and last time I will ever use the word cute in the same sentence as Hugh Hefner's name. I cannot deny he was a cute little child, okay? Um, he actually says he lived in that home with his mother, um, with his first wife. Like, his mother gave him the master bedroom and they moved off to another room. That's weird. Anyway. By the time they come out, there's paparazzi and fans out there. They're taking pictures with them. They're taking pictures with Kendra because they're fans of the show. Um, while they're gone, they do show us some stuff that happens at the mansion. They're doing some updates and stuff like um, some just reno around the, the house because so that it's like not inconveniencing half when he's there. He, he seems like somebody. This is, like I said, this is one of the ways that Hef and I definitely have similarities is that I don't like my environment fucked up. So I don't like, I want my shit the way I want my shit. <laughs> don't one time me and my husband got into, got into it because I came home and he had moved all the furniture around the living room and put, excuse me, a different scent in the Glade plugins. And I was like, I don't feel safe here. I don't know what this place is. This is, this couch is in the wrong place. It smells funny in here. I don't like this. And it really took me a good six hours before I would relax. I just was just sitting on the couch, like in near tears going, I don't want this. I just want what I thought was going to be here when I got here. And 
I can imagine Hef sitting on the couch crying because the, the mansion smells differently. He's like, I thought it should smell like dog piss. I missed the piss. <laughs> anyway, they're doing all this stuff while he's gone so that when he comes back, it looks refreshed, but he doesn't have to be inconvenienced by it. Um, back on the trip, they're doing a tour of the Chicago office. Uh, people are really excited to meet Hef because Hef doesn't go to the Chicago office. He, he's a creature of habit. He stays in LA and, um, so some of them have never met him. Christy's there again. I just noticed Kendra's wearing baby fat. <laughs> Blast from the past. And also, of course, Kendra will be wearing baby fat. Uh, <laughs> um, they go out to eat and they, so what's going on is they're at a table at something called Japanese, which seems like one of those, I forget the real name of it, but where they, where they cook in front of you, like a Benihana and they throw the shit up in the air and they make a onion volcano. One of the things I'm looking for after the pandemic is taking my kids to someplace like that. Cause they would love it, but <laughs> they seem like they're like one of those places. It seems like, I don't know. And across the way are some women. They have keeps calling the sex in the city women because there are like four women. And you know what? <laughs> Do you guys ever watch that show on TBS called PJ's boys or my boys or something like that? It was about a sports writer named PJ and like her four best friends that were men. <laughs> One day, and she's got this black best friend who I really liked a lot. She's one of my favorite black sidekicks of all time. Anyway, one day she meets, she lives in Chicago. And one day she meets, she she's looking for more girlfriends to be friends with. And she falls into a group of girls who are essentially knockoff sex in the city girls in Chicago. It's a very funny episode. Anyway, and it was a funny show, My Boys. If <laughs> a lot of you are like, what the fuck are you even talking about, princess? I, some of you get it though. Some of you are here with me. So anyway, he calls them the Sex and the City girls, and they're like looking over there and kind of flirting with Keith and half across the way. Again, what they're not saying is that you are being filmed, and also Hugh Hefner is a famous person. And why do they feel confident that these women can like? try to get their attention and wave and flirt and stuff. It's because like Holly even says something about it, but it's because Holly, you're a non motherfucking factor. Okay. You are not a factor. And everybody knows that everybody knows that you're just there. So these women can like flirt with this old man to try to get on this show. Cause that's what they're doing. They're trying to get to the show. They're trying to get invited to, to some, to a party. They're trying, they're just, you know, they're, I don't know. They're, they're the type of people you meet when you're out and you're famous and, and cameras are following you. That's what it is. And they don't have a problem looking over there and just being like, Hey, because nobody thinks your relationship matters. Now, do I think that's right? No, I think that if you're in a relationship, they should, they should, people should respect it. But the way your relationship is set up is where you have all the rules. You have, 
it is your job to attend to him and he can do whatever he wants. And so that's just not a good relationship. Now, there are people that'll be like, princess, you know, you and your feminism. <laughs> I don't know if that's feminism. I don't know what that, I don't, I feel like that's common sense that you can't, that a relationship that centers around one person where another person or multiple people just worry about his needs and he can do whatever he wants, but you got to be home by nine and you can't have friends that have dicks like is, is untenable. And even if it was something that you could do for a long time, you'd be miserable doing it because the balance is off. What you want and think doesn't matter. People come, people talk to him and don't, and think, and act, treat you like you're a piece of furniture. Yeah, that's hurtful. Duh. Like, I don't. I guess, <laughs> I don't know if she's playing the cool girl and that's why she's trying to act like that. Like everything's fine. But the fact is that like, even though you have the most important relationship of the three, the fact is your relationship is unimportant. That's it. So Hefko's over and he writes on a little napkin or something in his old man script and it looks like a, He's got arthritis and his hands shaking and shit. And he invites him to the mansion. That's it. And, you know, it seems like Holly's got a little beef about it, but nothing you can do with it because that's the way your relationship is set up. Um, Holly says she's not jealous because she was raising a cloning lab made specifically for... Uh, Hugh M. Hefner, and although her IQ is a little higher than he would like, she's made to please him. Now, she, she's obviously being sarcastic, but uh, it's when she talks like this that you realize how, like, frustrating this thing is for her, you know? She just won't admit to it. Um, They go on the radio. They go on something called Man Cow. I don't know what that is. Again, I don't listen to the fucking radio. I never have. <laughs> I used to listen to the radio to tape things onto tapes so I wouldn't have to listen to the radio. I do, or I used to download shit from Napster to burn to CD so I wouldn't have to listen to the radio because I, radio people annoy me. <laughs> so, um, I don't know. They, they do a thing where they off the read radio copy and Kendra's the worst and she feels bad about it. Okay, fine. What? Why? Someone who listens to the radio, tell me, why is it fun to have a reading contest between the three girls? Do you think any of them, so, so they can look stupid? Do you think any of them got anywhere in life from reading? Even Bridget. Bridget's main thing is that she wants to be in Playboy. She has achieved her dream. She is on the fucking cover of Playboy. Do you think she got there by reading? No, but radios, I guess, you know, it's not a visual medium, so it's not like they can, I don't know. Um, they go to where the Playboy Club was and they reminisce there. There's a bunny rabbit in the yard and they put too much emphasis on that. I do that all the time. I'm like, this is a sign. Not really. And, so, and then they go out and dance very badly. <laughs> it was a 
terrible dancer. And, and the girls that were at the Japanese are now at Y Bar. They go out because when Hef comes to town, all the clubs want him to come out because he's a spectacle and that, you know, he brings press and things. Um, Bridget's like, how did they fall? How did they even know we were going to be here? Production told them. Keith told them. I don't know. Somebody fucking told them. <laughs> Maybe production was trying to set some shit up, you know? Not above it. And that's it. They get back on the private jet and they head back to LA. Um, it's looks like they were gone four total days, two for each episode. Um, when they get back there, there is a uh, herd of dogs waiting on them. They've got so many motherfucking dogs. Um, and everyone's happy. They're rolling around on the ground with them. And Bridget goes upstairs, I guess. I guess they're upstairs. To Gizmo, who actually lets her hold her. And that is the end of the fucking episode. Guys, thank you for sticking with me. Um, like I said, things are rough. It's it's tough to be out here in these streets. And uh, you're not the, I want you to know you're not the only one in your, that's feeling a little down right now. You're not the only one who's like, going through it. I don't know anybody who's not going through it right now. And I don't know if that's helpful to you, but you're not alone. And I just appreciate you listening to my podcast. I appreciate you um, coming back every week and yeah, I'll see you next week. Bye.